see so many people joining for for uh, inquiry today, uh, and um, I'm not Flint Sparks, and, and so uh, I'm sitting in for Flint today. And what an honor it is to be able to do that. Um, I want to tell you a story of something that happened last Sunday first. Uh, well, no, first let me say, this, the, the plan for today is gonna be different because uh, first of all, we're starting out in this group meeting format rather than the, the webinar format because I wanted to be able to see people's faces and to see reactions and to, to be able to hear when people are, are expressing things and, and, and to have that available to everyone participating on the call. I really miss that uh, in other uh, inquiry sessions that I've participated in, even though I know it was for a good reason that it was set up the other way. Um, and uh, also I wanted to be able to break up into um, breakout rooms later on so that people can have uh, shorter, a, a short period of sharing some things with each other. And I'll have some suggestions of what I would like you to be able to talk about if you would. Um, and then come back together and then we will have the normal inquiry thing uh, where if someone wants to ask a question that I can respond to, I, you know, I'd be very honored to do that. And the way to do that is simply to uh, message Jessica Steinbommer, who's our host for today. Uh, and um, Jessica will let me know who's in order, who, who is up. And, you know, we probably won't be able to get to more than one or two people, but uh, I wanted to be able to do that as well. So I hope that's clear. And thank you to everyone for your patience in advance. It's going to, I'm, I'm pulling some switches on Jessica, right at the last minute. Um, okay, so what I what happened last Sunday is I was offering the orientation for Apamata uh, on Sunday, and um, uh, there were several people participating. Uh, one of whom was fairly new, and the others were all experienced practitioners. So it was a it was a funny kind of orientation. But at one point, one of the participants mentioned the, the grief that she was feeling. And the, um, just what she'd been dealing with. And, and I, instead of going on with the kind of script for the orientation, I wanted to, to take a break and to just have us all sit with her and to um, share what we could of her experience and to offer our support simply by sitting quietly with her. And that was a very moving for me and I hope, I, I hope for the other participants as well, but it's something that I, I've been thinking about ever since and I wanted to, to share it today. So I, I wanna, what I wanna talk about today is grief and about loss and about the, the ways in which we deal with them and the ways in which our Buddhist practice can help us address these um, uh, things that come up in our life that are inevitable 
uh, and sometimes very, very difficult to deal with uh, and can help us the way, the way the practice can help us and how we can be a resource for others as well. Um, I wanna start with a poem as uh, Flint often does. And it's, this is a, it's called The Bustle in a House by Emily Dickinson. It's numbered in her collection as number 1,108. The bustle in a house the morning after death is solemnest of industries enacted upon earth, the sweeping up the heart and putting love away we shall not want to use again until eternity. So there's a lot of irony, I think, in this poem. I'll read it again in a moment. But she's linguistically acting out the bustle and the, the way in which we keep grief at bay, the way we keep uh, ourselves from uh, feeling too much, particularly after a loss. The bustle in a house the morning after death is solemnest of industries enacted upon earth. The sweeping up the heart and putting love away, we shall not want to use again until eternity. Uh, a friend of mine shared that with me recently in regard to a, a dear friend that we had both lost uh, to illness, a, a long time illness, um, not long ago. And um, it, it, I, I remember something too. The first time I ever saw inquiry, I think it was inquiry, but it might have been during a, a, um, a, a intensive, which had an inquiry type. Uh, session in it um, in about 2006 or 2007 when I started coming to Appamata. And a young woman uh, came and talked to Flint. I, I, and I don't remember ever seeing her again after that. I don't know who, I didn't know her name. Uh, but she came up and she talked about the persistent pain that she was dealing with, physical pain, and um, in her own mental struggles to deal with it. And Flint listened very carefully and uh, asked her to turn around and look at the other people in the room and to see what other people were, were looking like as, as they sat with her. This Again, this has something to do with why I wanted to have all of us visible on the screen today to, um, to see that. And then he asked everyone in the room to raise their hands if they had had significant pain, a significant loss, um, and uh, or, or could in any way feel sympathy and, and compassion for this young woman as she was sitting there. And every, almost everyone in the room, of course, raised their hand. Um, and he said, so you can see you're not alone and you don't have to be alone in dealing with this. Reaching out in this way is really important and it gives you an opportunity to, to discover first that you're not alone. And then he led her through an even more extraordinary process of discovery, which was to 
discover the loving presence within herself. Uh, the, this very broad oceanic universal container of loving, of loving presence that was as much her, she came to see, as the pain she was feeling. That both were true and that both were important parts of her life to deal with. But that the, the loving presence could be a, um, a way of dealing with the pain and something that she could offer the world from the suffering that she had in her life. So it was an extraordinary exchange and I, I, it really meant so much to me. And I, I think about it all the time. Um, so as I said, I would like some time for people to uh, break up into fairly small uh, breakout rooms. Um, and let's say, um, Jessica, let's say, three people to a breakout room and 15 minutes. And what I want to suggest is that when you're in the breakout room, you take a couple of minutes to sit together and that each of you, this may, this may be difficult and you know, particularly at a time like this uh, when there's so much loss and, and uh, so many struggles going on all around us. But um, I'd like you to think uh, of a lost one or a lost capacity or a lost relationship or something that really has evoked pain and suffering for you. And to hold that with as much equanimity and, and mindfulness as you can, mindfulness in the sense of being able to distinguish the thought and the physical sensations that are slightly different but are but are definitely connected and to see how they are connected if you can. Hold those and then um, what I would like you to do in the group, if you can take turns, is to say, to speak for what mattered the most, what you are most grateful for in the thing that you lost or the person that you lost or the relationship that is no more or the physical capacity that you no longer have, those sorts of things. Uh, and then also to say into the group what it is, what, what that event or entity or relationship uh, brought out in you that mattered the most. What capacity did it help you discover? And how has that affected your life since then? Uh, and I, I want to suggest that it may be in both of these time, in, in presenting both of these, that it might be good to do something that we can't do for each other. And that is to invoke physical presence by putting your hand over your heart as you're speaking, uh, or just offering this way of, of connecting your body and your mind as you're speaking about these things. So is that, is that clear? Does anybody need me to go over them again? It's not looking like anybody needs that. So could, needs that. could you put could you put it in chat or would that be too much trouble? Uh, well, I'll give it a shot. Um, it'll I'm not a fast typist. So.
<laughs> I'll do my best. And I think I got it, but I'm afraid I'm going to forget the parts I want to remember. Yeah. Okay. So I'm wondering how much time we have. Maybe we can help each other. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Um, will the if people are Jessica if people are in the breakout rooms will they be able to see the chat? Uh, no. Once we go to breakout rooms, the chat uh, feature goes away. So um, if you don't mind pasting it in the chat, then people can grab it um, and put you know paste it on a, a note or something. Um, and as just a reminder, please use the chat feature rather than unmuting yourself so it doesn't get unwieldy um, so that we're not all talking at once. If you have a question or a comment, you can chat, you can put it in the chat box down below. And on most computers, that's going to be on the on the bottom of your screen. Thanks, everybody. Oh, okay. Deborah is telling us that we can broadcast the prompts that will appear as a. Oh, okay. Well, I'm typing them in right now. Okay, I'll oh. grab them and I'll I'll work on that. Thanks, Joel. All right. Very good. Well, uh, can you go ahead and? I'm I'm sorry. This is uh, I'm springing this on you, but. Uh... No worries. Yeah, go ahead and and create the breakout rooms, and then we'll send them. We'll send it from there. Okay, I'll do that now. So everyone, the breakout rooms will start uh, momentarily. Okay, I just put everything. Uh, it, there's a message from me to everyone. Uh, it is um, think of a lost, a loved one, or a relationship, or a capacity. What mattered the most to you? I, I obviously didn't get all the words in there that I intended. What mattered the most to you? What are you most grateful for in that relationship, or with that person, or from that capacity? And then. What did that person or relationship or capacity bring out in you that is most important? Okay, thank you, Joel. I'll open the breakout rooms. Thank you. Time for sitting. I know this is the kind of the opposite way in which it's normally done, but I, I thought that after being able to share and connect, it would be a good idea to, to have five minutes for sitting as well. So I have a bell, I'm gonna ring it. Everybody get comfortable, please. And let's sit together uh, and um, I'll, I'll keep the time on this part, Jessica.
Thank you. Um, uh, does anybody have a question that they would like to address to me or to share an experience? or uh, something that they uh, have to describe from the breakout room. Okay, Anne Heinen has a question. And if you don't mind, go ahead and unmute. Um, hi, Joel, thank you so much for doing our leading inquiry today. Um, I was, I was sitting with, um, sitting with wanting to, uh, judge and manage things and also feelings and, and that just, I was just wondering if you could talk about just the being with, being with, um, what's arising instead of um for some circumstances trying to want them want them to be different and then also yeah maybe not being fully accepting if that makes sense it does yeah it does make sense uh i, I i'm gonna just think out loud and this is not going to be uh a fully formed answer by any means, but I, I hope that it, I, I guess first I wanna make sure that I understand the question. So you said, uh, you're talking about being with feelings and what was the other part? Well, like situations. Situations, so, okay. Yeah, that, that have happened and that are, they are what they are. Right. And, um, just like with, um, just like transitions in life, that there's things you just can't do anything about. It's just the way it is. Or if mm -hmm. I, I mean, it sounds dramatic or I don't know. So it'd be like if I lost my leg, I mean, I lost my leg. It's like, it's, it's like, it's, I can't change that. Right. But, and so there's gonna, I'm gonna have feelings around it. And I, I don't know, I guess I feel like it's, it's like, there's also some just anger and judgment and just to be able to, to know about being with those things, being with those feelings and perspectives without maybe so much judgment about either the feelings or <coughs> the situation too, just like that overlay of judgment about right. those instead of just being with. What, what occurs to me in response to your question is, is um, things that I've read about Joko Beck and, and her teaching uh, from uh, mostly from her uh, students, uh, Peg, of course, and uh, Ezra Beta and others who describe the process that she would uh, work with people to enact of taking time to discriminate, to, to see the division between the emotion and the thought the emotion as something that was felt in the body and the thought. 
of, you know, that this is, uh, I've had this terrible loss. That's a thought. I've had this terrible loss. My stomach muscles are clenching up. I'm grinding my teeth all the time. And to, to be able to see those and to see a little bit of light in between them, you know, not, not totally to separate. I'm sorry, my screen is shaking like this. Um, to be able to, to separate those as a way of making the, something that seems so solid and so unitary as to be inescapable, to make that into something that is, uh, has more space around it and within it. And, um, and then also I'm, I'm thinking in response that um, just as, as in the example that I gave that, that um, Flint worked with the, the young woman who was in such persistent pain and he offered her a way to see how she was connecting with others uh, and that other people had the same pain. And, um, you know, there's the famous Buddhist story that the Buddha was approached by one of his earliest disciples, a woman who had lost a child and, and asked the Buddha to restore the child to life. And he said, I'll try. Just bring me a mustard seed from a house in your town with no, where no one has experienced grief. And of course, she came, she heard the grief of everyone in the town and came back and said, I, I see what you're doing there, and became his disciple. Uh, that all, you know, that because grief in particular and loss have such a way of being, uh, of focusing our, us within our small selves, uh, because they have to, they feel like they have to be managed, that we have to do something. We're like, we're like a, you know, an animal caught in a trap. We have to writhe around and, and get out of it. But um, that's a, you know, in many, in many cases, at least, that's a mis mistaken perception. And again, the, the advice from Joko about, you know, examine your beliefs, you, your beliefs that you should never have to feel this way. That's a, you know, it's a strong belief that I have a lot uh, and makes me really mad when, I, when I'm offended or when I, when I don't get what I want or when I have to feel pain or feel suffering, you know? Um, if, I, if I can take a minute to breathe and think about it, that gives me the opportunity to say, or to see, oh yeah, I'm having that belief. It's in there and, and I'm also ignoring the fact that this is a very common human experience and that there are other people to whom I could offer compassion because of this experience. Is that, is that answering your question, do you think, Anne? Yes, yes, thank you, Joel, it's very helpful. Okay. Joan Harmon had her hand raised next. Hi, Joan Harmon. Hello, uh, I had the pleasure uh, and honor to be at the orientation that uh, Joel was talking about. And it had such a profound effect on me. I, I'm uh, interested, Joel, that it's continued with you also. 
uh, and uh, I told my small group about this, that sometimes I lead orientation and I think I would have expressed sympathy when this person talked about her grief, but Joel stopped everything and said, let's, let's be with this grief. And it was so touching. And um, I'm, I'm going to try to do that in my life now, rather than try to gloss over things and maybe make things people feel better to just stop and, and be with that. And uh, Joel, your um, illustration of Flint with a, a person, I saw a similar thing, probably about the same time, may have been the same woman who came forward and was just an intense pain. And uh, Flint asked Sharisa to come forward, who was a very um, vital uh, Sangha member. And Sharisa, I didn't know if Sharisa would be able to come forward, but she did and sat beside her. And Flint asked, said for Sharisa to tell her what was going on. And I can hear Sharisa's voice saying, I have cancer. And I don't know how old she was. She might've been mid to late thirties, early forties. And um, it was, a very difficult time and, and sad time. And, and those two met each other during that. And then Charissa went back to her seat and Flint asked the woman how she felt now. And she said her pain was gone. Mm. And it was just such a clear illustration that if we can get out of ourselves and our self-centeredness to see our connection with the world, uh, that it, it can be very helpful. And so uh, you've just done such a great job, Joel, of um, exemplifying that. Thank you. Thank you. I, and I want to say that the, the other part of it that I think is important is that we extend, I've, I've put away the, the uh, that we extend compassion to the parts of ourselves that want to be like the, the speaker in the bustle in the house. That we just want to tidy up, put it away, not deal with it, um, and uh, manage these feelings, um, not have it take over our lives, those kinds of things. That, 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 that is a, a part that um, it's, I'm speaking to and for myself. For me, that's a part that probably wants to do the best for me, but um, I know from experience now and from what I've learned at Appamata that it's, uh, it's pretty short-sighted and that it is, it is um, for me at least, much more important to try and connect with other people and to share our human experience than it is to just put it aside, don't, don't go into all that stuff, you know. Does that make sense to you, John? Yes. Okay. John McEnroy has his hand up next. Hi, John. We haven't talked in a long time. You're still muted. Okay, there we go. There you go. Okay, um, I don't have a question as such, but it help, might help me to get y'all's take on what I had to say. And I started to say in the small group, the breakout room, uh, 
I didn't get to finish the thought there. My dad died back in 1987. And the gratitude I feel now is I don't have to deal with him and his junk anymore. He was just narcissistic. He was a bottomless pit of neediness. He kept saying, come, get me, come visit me, come visit me. All sorts of manipulative statements. And my football coach used to tell me, you know, fight the pressure. And so what I got into was just fighting the pressure from him. And that's too bad because uh, we might, it would have been nice if we could have gotten beyond that. Um, but I also tell myself, I, he was the parent, I was the son. It was, in a sense, it was not really my job to take care of him. And so that is his, his contribution or lack of contribution there. And I was in a, a group kind of like this with a woman who, uh, who had been physically abused. And she said about her father, now he can't hurt me anymore. And that flashed on me right at the end of our breakout session. He can't hurt me anymore. Mm. Mm. I'm I'm having a, a thought in response. I don't know if the, if you are if you're finished, John, or if you have a. Oh. Yes, I'm ready to hear uh, responses. If you, if you have a a question, um, but I but I do have a, a kind of a response from my own from my own experience. So I have an older brother um, who's almost ten years older older than I am. We were, we were there was a big gap in our family, and um, uh, he played a big role in raising me and. Um, I have a sense that he didn't like me very much. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't live up to his standards, certainly. Uh, but uh, what I've discovered in recent years is that I do have something that I discovered in that difficult relationship, which really has helped me a lot. And that is, I do have a sense of my own integrity. I do have a sense that even as a small child in a, where I was, you know, overmatched, in every way, I was able to stand up for myself and uh, to resist, you know, to just be myself. And um, that was a valuable thing that I learned. And I draw upon that every once in a while when I need it. It's like, oh yeah, I can remember that. And that was a valuable thing. And it, you know, my brother was not doing anything bad. He was a, he was little more than a child himself. And um, doing the best he could in what he thought he needed to do. He had a strong belief about the way things were supposed to be and how I should be relating to him. And he acted out of those beliefs. And you know, I don't know if he would do the same now. It's, it's hard to say. Uh, but I was also struck by what you said that you, that. Uh, he was the parent, you were the child, you were not supposed to be taking care of him. That's a belief, you know, just, a, just something to examine. Not in any critical way, doesn't mean it's wrong, but just to recognize it. Oh, that's why I believe this and that's why I'm, that, that helps explain why I react with as much force as I do to this kind of situation. Does that make sense? 
<laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. So, and, and Joko points to many things like that in, in conversations with her students that I've come across. Uh, Lisa Judge has her hand up next. Lisa, if you'd like to unmute. Hi, Lisa. Hi, thank you. Um, I'm I, I'm really struck by what you, I, I'm curious and, and seeking guidance on when you talk about developing our own inner resource in times of grief, being able to draw on our own strength because that that's where I fall down when these things happen as I just inside I feel I you know I think I, I think probably more than most people I don't feel that uh, anyway so that that's probably one thing that's brought me to develop a Buddhist practice is hope that somehow subliminally that will augment in a stronger form so I guess I'm just wondering if you could speak to that or provide resources for reading or just encouragement for how to continue with that as a as a as a wish i guess in a practice um i have so many things i could have talked about today and i was going to include this before and i forgot but thank you for for asking the question that you did buddhism is full of resources uh that speak exactly to this question of how do I develop capacities within myself for dealing with these important life events and, and, and crucial life issues uh, where I don't, you know, because of my upbringing or my past, I don't feel like I have the resources within me. But Buddhism is, is a path to discovering resources. And um, I'm just thinking right now of the, of the um, Tibetan Buddhist practice of Tonglen, yeah. where you uh, sit with a difficult feeling and you, you breathe in the feeling hot and difficult. And you breathe out the same feeling cool and open and free. You do that over and over again. It's the same feeling, but over time, you begin to see that there that your relationship to that feeling is able to shift. And then the second part of the practice is to open to others who have suffering in their lives as well and breathe in your knowledge that they are suffering hard, heavy, difficult, painful. And breathe out, freeing, open. And that's, that is something that has meant a lot to me when I first learned that from reading Pema Chodron, a little bitty book that I picked up in a bookstore in Marfa, Texas um, one time, so. Thank you. And I, I'm sorry, and, and to say one more thing that uh, I mentioned Flint in that extraordinary uh, interchange where I left out one of the most crucial things that I'm so glad that Joan brought up, uh, the connection with our, our friend Charissa, who, was, uh, who, who died not long after that, uh, the way that Charissa was able to connect with this young woman and, and open the experience for all of us. 
Um, and that is, again, that, that Flint talked about loving presence and that we may, you know, I've, I've heard it kind of harshly said by a Zen teacher, oh, you say your knee is bothering you? Well, how about the other 87% of your body? Mm. You know, is it in pain? Um, that sounds pretty harsh. And I, and I, what I want to say is that even um, when we are in physical or psychic pain, that we can know that there is part of us that is, um, that is loving presence, that is holding that thought. It is the consciousness, it animates the consciousness that we bring to it. And that is motivating really the desire to escape from the pain, to end the suffering, you know? But that we have that loving presence always within us. And that by fearlessly and compassionately doing what we can to be with um, the feelings like you're describing, um, that we develop our connection with that loving presence. Is that? Yeah, I think that helps because as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, okay, I just need to remind myself at difficult times, you've got it in there. Just slow down, take the time to connect with that part of yourself that can help you at this moment. So thank I, you very much. I, I, one more thing. I recently heard a recording, I think it's on YouTube uh, and certainly on SoundCloud of uh, Ram Das, the teacher, the American teacher, Richard Alpert, as Ram Das, who um, had a major stroke some years ago and after his stroke continued teaching, but um, the, the teaching consists of him simply saying to himself, I am loving presence. Mm -hmm. And it's very powerful to hear it in his voice. Thank you. So it's one twenty nine. Let's say our closing chant. Jessica, help me. The, the closing chant is the caught in this self-centered dream one. Yes. Okay. Very yes. good. Thank All you. right. So we're going to say that three times and I will ring the bell as we say that. So caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you for your gift of presence today.
Thank you so much, Joel, you, Joel. for what you've offered. Um, and thank you, everyone, for your presence as well. Um, Appamata's programs and facilities are um, due to all of you and your incredible generosity. So thank you so much. Um, we're all making a difference.